Hello everyone. This is Dr. Joyce Tamale, the co-founder and CEO of Capital Solutions Limited, and you are listening to the Social Entrepreneurship in Africa podcast, the show that hosts a set of stimulating conversations featuring some of the leading social entrepreneurs working in Africa with passion to make impact. Looking to the future for many social enterprises, it's not about making their businesses more resilient, but also about preparing the communities they work with for the fourth industrial revolution in technology. In this episode today, I am joined by Mr. Alan Brian Sembajwe, whom I know is an FCCA, as we talk about harnessing technology for sustainable enterprises. Alan is an entrepreneur who is enthusiastic about innovation, startups, and investment, especially around Africa. Thank you so much for accepting to join this conversation, Alan. I'm glad to be here. Great. Um, as we start this conversation today, we would like to know more about Alan. Tell us about your education background your career, your interests, and how do you cope up with the changes having been in the workspace and now into entrepreneurship? Let's know more about that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Joyce. Uh, like you mentioned, my name is Alan Brian Stembadre. I am uh, I'm a Ugandan. I've grown up here. I was born uh, in, in, uh, in Kajansi, just outside Kampala. I have been in entrepreneurship now for about five years, but it's interesting because I think I date back from uh, my senior two. I started my first business in senior two. That was selling. I think I was selling mandazi <laughs> to try and keep up with my fees. So by then, I was uh, being raised by my mother, who most of my life she has been a single mother because my dad died when I was uh, I was nine years old. And through school, I saw her tussle it out in business. She was running a salon. She still runs a salon, a hairdressing salon, and she has since added bridal to it. So in many ways, my entrepreneurship journey dates back from uh, seeing my mom do business, but also seeing my dad, who was also a businessman, a trader in Kampala, and uh, and Kenya. In terms of school, I uh, I went to Bat Valley Primary School. I went to St. Mary's College, so before all level. Then I went to St. Henry's College to, for A level. I went to Macquarie University, where I did a bachelor's degree in economics. The interesting bit about that is that I actually I ditched engineering and I went for economics. I did quantitative economics at Macquarie for three years, and then when I left, I enrolled for SCCA. So for the last about ten and a half years before I I joined. The entrepreneurship. I was doing accounting and audit. I did audit for three and a half years with Ernst and Young, and then I I did accounting for about seven years. Currently, I'm running a business called Nyom Planet. It's a wedding planning platform, and uh, I picked my interest in weddings for, from uh, growing up in church. I'm a Christian, so we did a lot of weddings when I was growing up in Watoto Church, and along the way, I just picked interest, and I thought I could use technology to change the way apps globally. I don't know where we shall, we shall go. So I'm using technology to support people who are doing wedding and in many ways to also support the vendors that are informal. So that's my special part, support the couples 
when they are doing their wedding. And so I'm passionate about technology. I'm passionate about innovation. I did a master's in innovation management and entrepreneurship from uh, Manchester Business School. That gave me a chance to explore the possibilities that uh, technology can give to an environment that is still quite traditional, like our case. So that's why I'm using technology. When I was a finance manager, I I, I looked out for people. I I, I, I supported the people and uh, and on my team to become better. I see the same in entrepreneurship. In entrepreneurship, you are creating a team that then will deliver the product. So I'm supporting my team to be able to support the company. I want to believe it's, it's the same even in executive because executives share and they forget that all these things, these uh, metrics do not count. So for me, in many ways, the only difference now, and I must admit this, when you're an executive in the corporate world, most of the times life is a bit more stable. I'm trying to understand my environment a bit more, but I'm also adjusting myself to the fact in entrepreneurship, I'm supposed to kind of be the <laughs> the manager of the universe that I want to create. And that for me requires a constant re-education, if I'm to say you learn and learn and relearn. And yeah, that's the track I'm on. <laughs> Very interesting track, uh, Brian. Creating a universe or a culture of a lot of work. So you need to reread, you need to reorganize and also network because business comes from networking. So let's move into technology mean to you in relation to your business, but also unpacking it for social entrepreneurs. Technology for me, let me say it's any knowledge, really. Any knowledge, any model, or any system that is... In fact, it can also be a combination, come to think about it. It is knowledge, it is models, it is systems, and sometimes even a combination of all those three. But the aim is really to make it easier solving problems. If it's not solving problems, then it is that model, that knowledge, or whatever it is that you're setting up doesn't make any sense. So for me, that's how I look at technology. But in terms of social enterprises, there's a lot that you have to think about, and that is on both fronts. So as a social enterprise, you're looking, first of all, at impact on one side, but also at profit on another side. If you think about impact, technology is supposed to be able to reach, first of all, as many people as as possible, but also to effectively support them. But on another side, it's also supposed to be profitable. You, You must think in terms of profit, otherwise you're not an entrepreneur. So the, the technology that any entrepreneur, any social entrepreneur should adopt for sustainability, it should be able to cover both sides. It should be able to maximize customer satisfaction, but also it's supposed to be able to, to maximize profit in a dual way. So it's not supposed to lax on one and then do well on another. For sustainability, both must be covered. And from my experience, in many ways, so you see, technology can be looked at into in, in about two or three ways. One can look at specifically information technology. And I think I should emphasize that perhaps that's what I'm focusing on. Information technology on um, customer satisfaction. So if you think about it, if you're developing a product, what example can I give? If you look at Jumia, for example, Jumia gives you are able to a book. But what technology does through Jumia, the platform, is to make you receive that book where wherever you are, instantly uh, help you perhaps even look through a number of books without having to leave your desk. So it's the convenience that it creates. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is that the social entrepreneur who wants technology to 
sustain their business must look more into the convenience, the satisfaction, and the value that it gives to the customer. That's how technology becomes important for, for a social entrepreneur. Very interesting. So just wondering, um, why do you think, in your opinion, that uh, um, entrepreneurs should embrace the use of technology for their businesses? Not only those who are like you, but those others who are doing it. So three things. One is uh, you have to understand what, what what technology does. Technology is not a silver bullet. It is. It will not solve. Some people think once I adopt technology, then I, it's a panacea. It's definitely not. Uh, the business is run by you. You are still the brain and you're still the one who puts structures and uh, tools and systems in place. So in that case, I want to put a disclaimer. Technology will not solve all your problems. What technology does is simply, it's one tool in the maintenance to enhance how you do work, to enhance how you serve your customers, to enhance internal tasks so that they are simplified, but also to look into the future and say, what are the possibilities in the future and how can technology be part of uh, the vision that we are driving? But why do we think it should be adopted? For me, there are about three things to consider. One is uh, perceived quality. If you think about a customer, customer will pay for a service because they think it's a quality service. Technology, in many ways, helps to solve that, helps to to increase the quality. If you think about a smartphone and the phones that we used to have back then, the capabilities. if you think about a smartphone, even just holding it, in fact, that's what makes Apple phones seem like they are are out of this world. It is the elegance of it. Someone holds the phone and everyone around thinks, wow, that, that phone. So that perceived quality that comes with it to the customer, they are willing to pay for it because there's a quality The second thing is uh, the perceived value. Customers have come to appreciate that technology adds value to their lives. So from a customer perspective, they are looking at quality, they are looking at value, but they are also looking at satisfaction. So if you're a social entrepreneur or if you're an entrepreneur trying to serve a customer, you have to think in those three dimensions. Do I improve quality using technology? Do I improve value to the customer using technology? And is the customer satisfied? using technology. If the technology you choose to adopt can serve the customer on those three fronts, then you should adopt that technology because it will improve value, it will improve customer satisfaction, and it will improve the quality of your product, which also means that you don't select any kind of technology. You have to be very, very specific on the technology that you select. And that's why some technologies are set for certain environments and certain businesses, while others are set for for other businesses. But it also means that as an entrepreneur, you need to really assess. If you adopt a certain technology and invest yourself in it, Surely, will it be able to bring back the returns that uh, that you're looking to? But also, will it meet these three things? Will it give the customer quality? Will it give them satisfaction? Will it give them value? If it does, then you need to adopt. Because with those three aspects, you have made your customer better. So for me, that's how I look at it. You need to adopt technology, give value, give quality but also to satisfy the customer. Great. So putting that into perspective, because now that you're practicing the new planet, uh, just break it down for us how this is solving the societal challenges around your business and how, and your capabilities on making sure that that serves the wider population. 
Okay, thank you, Joyce. In fact, it's interesting that you you bring that out because even me, I am <laughs> I'm kind of reflecting on it. So I'll give you an, a quick example. I'll give you two examples. I'll give you one about my own planet, and I'll give you one about uh, banking product growing up. So I I told you earlier in my introduction that uh, I, I I I grew up around weddings. I come from uh, church became became a big family for me. I come from a small family, but church became a very big family for me growing up and in that family i saw young people who wanted to get married and they had money uh so they were young graduates got out of school they had made some money so on a on a medium level they were doing well so we could do their weddings satisfactorily without having to hustle then i saw those who are really struggling who are who could call them the poor trying to really also do a wedding and you know how weddings are everyone is excited about weddings uh, poor, rich, middle class, whichever. Everyone wants their wedding to be classy and memorable. But also, I saw the rich who they just said our wedding is maybe 120 million and they just threw the money on the table and the committee fly uh, would fly around to book all these places. So for me, it was interesting to see how the struggles were the same. Vendors would not show up. Sometimes they would frustrate calling them. They make bookings and then they disappear and then they switch off their phones. It was the same, same struggle. So for me, I thought as I went to school, as I began to do, to, to really pick passion in weddings, I was like, but there must be a better way. There must be a way we can manage vendors who are unreliable, manage vendors who are expensive, manage. Basically, there must be a way we can do a wedding for everyone without having to hustle and uh, without having to break the bank. So we'd cater for the poor, the middle class, but also the rich. So what we have done is created a platform on one side that, that supports vendors. In other words, vendors can list on our site. Right now, we have close to 1,000 vendors that have listed. And by vendors, we mean service providers people who have venues for weddings, people who have cars, people who provide bridal dresses, saloon, video, number of vendors on one side. And on another side, we have couples that are coming to the site to find their vendors. The mere fact that we have so many vendors listed, it means that a couple can then run through and see who meets their price, who meets their quality, but also who meets everything that they want in a vendor. Some vendors are more creative than others especially things like decoration and, and videography. So we have listed them on one side and then couples are, are getting to them. So what we are doing is we are saying, instead of you looking around, running around Kampala or running around whichever city you are, you are able to just come onto the platform see the vendors that are there, select among the many, and then be able to reach them easily. If you want to reach them through us, that's okay. If you want to reach them directly, that's also fine because the vendors on the list have been vetted and we are sure that they will deliver and they will, and they will give you a good service, consistent. But also we are saying, no, you shouldn't be able to, if you want to do a wedding, say in another city in uh, in this country, for example, Port Port, which is the tourism city, we are saying you don't have to move vendors from Kampala, which is the capital city. Go to Fort Porto, the same from your, in fact, don't go to Fort Porto. Get your phone out wherever you are. Open it, put in Fort Porto and check the vendors that are there. And because we have vetted them, we trust that whichever vendor you select 
you'll be able to get the service that you need. So in a way, we are saying, have your wedding wherever you want to have it in this country without a hassle. Do it as easily, as quickly as you would shop on Amazon or on Jumia. So that's how we think that technology in our case is simplifying uh, the way business is run in wedding. But also, this is a societal challenge in the sense that, uh, of course, people want to do their weddings easily and they don't want sometimes to break the bank because they don't have the money now that we are living in tough times. We think that's something that is solving the challenge for most couples. But on the other side, we also think vendors. So if you think about vendors in Uganda, most of them, they are unknown. They are not registered. They are informal. Most of them run their businesses from their homes. We are saying that may be the case now. But as we grow this platform, we are supporting vendors. We are putting webinars on that site. Uh, we are putting tips for the vendors. We are trying to create for them uh, channels in which they can manage their finances, manage their inventory. We are building an app to be able to do that. So in many ways, we are saying part of what we are doing as an enterprise in Uganda, their social enterprises are not recognized. But our social element to our business is to really support vendors to move from informality to formality by being able to keep their books of accounts, keep being able to manage their inventory, being able to schedule their meetings with their couples, with the couples that uh, come to them. We are doing all this using technology. Very nice. So Nyom Planet is already creating a threesome solution to the community, realizing that uh, you're actually promoting Bubu. You're also pushing forward these small enterprises to be more organized as they serve their clients, but you're actually solving a problem for the couples that would actually struggle to identify reputable you know, vendors to run their weddings to what they want to see using technology. I think for me, that wraps up what, if you're thinking about technology, how do you make a business model that actually solves the societal problems, but actually makes you as a company look good and also you are able to make money and survive. Thank you very much, Alan, on that. So, um, of course, you've mentioned about how enterprises can embrace technology by thinking through different ways of doing it. So is there anything else that you'd like to inform the traditional and indigenous, you know, about the traditional and indigenous technologies, how it can be used in building sustainable uh, enterprises in Uganda? Okay, thank you. So when people think technology, they are all, sometimes some people, uh, they just switch off. They say, ah, man. Those things are not for me, especially the people who are like my parents, which is actually strange because my mom is really tech, she's tech driven, even though she has, she didn't do so much in school. Like she didn't, I can't say she went so far in school, but she, she, she's really that person who's switched on. I think it's because she's a businesswoman. If you think about technology in traditional business, technology can actually change how you do business. And uh, I'll give a quick example. Growing up in banking, we used to go to the banking hall. I remember as a primary school student in Bat Valley, we used to go, uh, my mother would give me money to go and bank at Bank of Baroda. Bank of Baroda was the bank for the school. And I would go line up. Sometimes they would look at me, shabby, <laughs> this, you know, crazy young man in a line. The adults would come, they would pass me by, yet I'm in the line trying to bank my fees and then go back to school. And the queues were long. Basically, it was just annoying. And those days, Bank of Baroda, I think, had just one branch in the whole of town. So I would go to that main branch on Kampa Road and be in the queue 
for such a long time. It was so boring. And here I was, a nine-year, ten-year-old, trying to bank my fees. Now, around S2, uh, when I moved to, to St. Mary's, again, I used to bank my fees. I think then we had moved to a different bank. I don't remember which one it was. I think it was Centenary Bank. And uh, again, the queues were humongous. They were so long. I would stand in those queues and get bored. In fact, there's a time I went back home and I told my mom that, uh, Mommy, I'm not paying my fees. It, it, in in the bank, I'm going to pay them to pay it at school. My mom said, "You're crazy. They will not accept." So she, the next day, she picked up the bank slip and went and queued up. I don't know if she called her people and they had it banked. But in the sense, those queues were so long, they were boring. And then we moved to a place where they put up ATMs. So this time we didn't even, the people who used to make queues long to guard withdraw from the bank, they reduced the number by taking out the, the ATMs. So people would now queue up on ATMs. Most recently, Centenary introduced an app, I think about two or three years ago, where I can now bank my money using my phone. I can transfer to the person I want to transfer it to, and then uh, I can withdraw using my phone to my mobile money, and then go to a mobile money account and withdraw. DFCU did the same. I also have another account in DFCU. They did the same. In other words, what technology has done in that sense is to improve. Like I am here speaking to you, Joyce. I can decide to pause a bit and send some money to someone just where i am really if you think about this podcast it's the same thing i am speaking to you joyce i don't know where you are now i'm sure you don't know where i am i know but we are also going to disseminate this information instead of me having to sit in a room full of entrepreneurs maybe some people in ibadia are in uh, abidjan in cote d'ivoire some people who are going to listen to this could be in pretoria cairo the point is that this podcast is being enhanced by technology to reach people that how the idea and not be able to reach or i'll be able to reach very expensively if i was to reach them so if you are thinking traditional business how it can be transformed technology simply enhances that experience and going back to the three things i said the customer satisfaction the quality and the value that it technology brings in many ways you cannot say i'm still traditional me i don't do those technology things it's not helpful the customer has moved to a place where they view technology as giving them the quality, giving them the value, but also satisfying them. And indeed it does. It's not just perceived. It is. It does that. And maybe I should give a few tips here because I think I've talked a lot in general terms. Let me use a bit of my training to speak to people who want to adopt technology practically. There are five steps in technology adoption. One is adoption. Adoption simply says that uh, there are smartphones. Let me buy myself. And when I buy myself one, I realize I can download WhatsApp on it. And therefore, I'm able to, to, to receive calls. I'm able to communicate using WhatsApp. I am able to, to do different things using the technology. That way, first of all, you have adopted by buying a screen, by buying a computer, by buying a phone, you have adopted technology in that sense. Information technology, to be more specific. But then there is a, a second stage that follows adoption. It's called enhanced, the enhanced use of technology. That way, you can decide to download some apps on that phone of yours. 
download Facebook, download Instagram, download Twitter, use, set up these accounts. That way you have enhanced, you have moved one step further from not just adopting to now enhancing the customer experience using the marketing materials that are available, especially social media sites and the internet. Then there is the third. The third that follows uh, adoption and enhanced is interactive. So interactive is you, you, for example, build a website where people can send you emails and you can respond. You use your WhatsApp for business. People can send you a message. You also respond. In other words, you're interacting with the client. Uh, you can even put your website or your product on Jumia. And if customers send you texts, you can respond. In other words, you're interacting. You're using technology to interact with the customer and serve them better if they're making inquiries. And then there's something called transactional. So you have moved from adoption to enhanced, through enhanced, through interactive, and now you are transaction. In other words, you're using technology to transact online. So think e-commerce. For example, Jumia, people are paying online. Uh, if you have a website where people can pay, I think uh, the guys at Motiva built a marketplace called Omoreso, which is almost like Jumia, but it's purely for Ugandan products. And there they transact. They use mobile money. They use uh, visa cards. You can buy a product from wherever you are. So if, if the business moves to a point where you are using e-commerce on your platform, then you have moved to a, a place called transactional. You can be able to do transactions online. But the fifth and ultimate level of technology adoption in business is called digitization. And that's where for us, Neon Planet, we are. You are building a tech company. So think Facebook, think Google, think Jumia, think uh, Omole. So think at that level, Airbnb, Uber, you are using tech to basically provide the service. And that's what we are doing at Neon Planet. We are using technology to be able to to serve couples. And at that level, all these things are combined. E-commerce is in there. Interactive is in there. All these other things are in there. But the point is that for you to be served, you have to use tech. Very, very powerful way of putting it. You know, there's quite a lot that has been well elaborated in this particular conversation, especially around anybody who thinks to start a business and not planning to embrace technology. You can't actually move to any other level. So listening to Alan Bryan on what he has broken down on the different ways of transactional digitalization, name it, Every business must be at some point embracing technology and then growing over time because I think when social media came, it was the best thing that happened to the small businesses because the marketing budgets were literally cut down, but then people were able, uh. able to grow forward their businesses. So I think this is very exciting and where the future of technology is taking the businesses in Africa as well. So what do you think are some of the challenges that limit harnessing of technology by the social and and the SMEs in terms of uh, business growth? Very interesting question because <laughs> we are also an SME and we are trying to navigate this tech space. So you can imagine how Neon Planet, which is a digital business, is trying to build a digital business in Africa. I must be honest, one of the bigger challenges is expense. The technology can get a bit expensive depending on what level you are trying to adopt it. Uh, so for us who are adopting it from a digital space, it means we must have internet connected on a daily we must invest in uh, things like cloud technology. Our storage is in the cloud. That can be a bit tricky. 
or businesses that are that are building tech companies. But most of the SMEs are not building tech companies. So they are just maybe at the interactive level, but it's still expensive. Internet in Uganda is quite expensive. <laughs> Very, very expensive. In fact, internet in Africa, I think Uganda is fifth among the highest costs of internet, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know when I last read that report. But yeah, so it's expensive to adopt, especially internet. And that's one, one of the challenges, especially if you go to the villages, it becomes a bit tricky. The second reason is uh, awareness. So some people think that this technology thing is a bazungo thing, unfortunately. They think, ah, those things are spoiling kids. They are wasting a lot of time on social media. They'll give you all kinds of reasons why you, you shouldn't adopt technology. You shouldn't be on Facebook. You shouldn't be on Instagram. And there, some are valid reasons. Of course, there's the other side as well. But overall, people are not aware of of what just putting your profile on Instagram can actually change the way people perceive your product because you're on Instagram and how many people it can reach. So awareness is a challenge that is facing tech, but also mismatch, mismatch between users and beneficiaries. So for example, for some of us who are developing digital products, you find that you have created a product that serves customers, but customers don't know how to use it. <laughs> they they don't understand it. Perhaps don't put as much value to it as you do. But also, they are in many ways, your product could be ahead of its time. <laughs> and, 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 and that time, that sometimes is a challenge because then you can't sustain it. So I'm looking at awareness. I'm looking at being expensive. I'm looking at uh, the mismatch in terms of some people apply technologies to, to products that are still quite traditional. And uh, entrepreneurs, of course, face that challenge. But also accessibility. In most of you, the country, for example, Uganda, internet is still a challenge to, to access. And if you're adopting internet, you may want to look at the people you are serving and see if they actually have access to the digital product that you want to create. So that's why in many ways, some people are using USSD. If you look at, for example, Rocket Health, they have decided they would use USSD. USSD is more of uh, using your your normal mobile phone and uh, you put, you, you, you liaise with the, with the telecom company. If it's payment or if it's access, it becomes one of those products that are provided within uh, their menu for transactions. So depending on where you are, you have to assess if your people have adopted technology to the point where you can use internet or you can use USSD. So think thoroughly about the technology that you want to adopt. But overall, the biggest challenge to internet is, I mean, to information technology remains awareness. Wow, interesting. Thank you so much, Alan. And so I would also like to know, how do you define success from your end? Interesting question, success. So success from my end, in many ways over the years, success for me was really touching people, trying to make people's lives better, whether that meant my family, whether that meant uh, as a, an accountant, serving uh, the people I would serve, as an entrepreneur, making couples happy. That defines success for a long time. But for my definition of success is around building up people who are going to build legacy businesses. So I want to build my own organization, yes, but I want to build up people who are going to build organizations like mine. Who are going to build those legacy 
as a businesses. So for me, that would be a definition of success. If I can get as many people to build businesses that are mm -hmm. legacy businesses, sustainable, run through time, that would be success to me. Interesting. So there's a lot of, you know, mindset meeting with me. Um, as accountants, I, th I think one of the profession uh, that gives you a wider aspect of life that helps you mm -hmm. think bigger, strategically looking ahead, etc. There's a lot we can offer to the society. So I would sure. actually implore it upon all accountants, the professional accountants globally, to think around where their passion is, to start giving back to the society depending on how they shape themselves because there's so much we can give to the society. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Alan, on that. No. So um, again, what is the most important lesson you've learned while being an entrepreneur? Wow. I can't say it's one. There are many. Maybe let me say about three to five. One is be visionary. Start small, but think big. Think organization, think systems. In fact, after reading uh, one of these books, I, I, I am beginning to believe much more that uh, it is better to build great organizations than to build great products. So focus on the organization, focus on building an environment that will create better products. Yes, create good products, but focus on building the organization that creates big products. So be visionary, think big. Second, build networks and harness them. I more much more now in entrepreneurship, <laughs> I see the value of network. So if someone pushes you somewhere else, someone points you to a possible you know, investor, someone points you to possible technology that could enhance your business. The networks are so important. I cannot overemphasize that. So build them, harness them. Another one is build products that you are proud of. In other words, enjoy yourself. I don't know about people thinking about making money. I also think about making money. But most importantly, build products that you're proud of. Build, um, I mean, I run a, a wedding platform and I cannot see I cannot begin to fathom how awesome it makes me feel when people look at the product and think, wow, this is good. So it, build products that you're proud of, build products that uh, your family will be proud of, build products that your friends will be proud of, build products that you yourself would use. Then also be robust and flexible. In entrepreneurship, there are no expressways. Those things don't exist in entrepreneurship. They are it's full, the journey is full of detours. You will have to be flexible in leadership. You'll have to be flexible in product development. You'll be have to, you have to be flexible in marketing, flexible in understanding, flexible in understanding what you don't understand. But lastly, prepare for a marathon, not a sprint. Be ready to sweat it out. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. So, in fact, you've wrapped it up very nicely for any entrepreneur, any social entrepreneur out there planning with your, you know, big ideas to shape something into a visionary organization. These tips that Alan has thrown here would help you really shape up yourself. Go read your books, have everything in your brain, bring all your experience and design a visionary company. And that's what will make Africa great. And we all need to participate and do what we can do. Thank you so much, Alan, for bringing that out. So as we wrap up, I would like to, to, um, you know, mention, um, a few things as you wrap up. Um, where do you want to see Nyom Planet in the next three to five years? And if at all people have to, uh, look out for you, where do they find you? Just those. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Joyce. <laughs> 
most briefly, I want to see your planet become uh, the the one-stop center for anything weddings. In the next three to five years, we want to cross into the East African region. We want to get into TZ. We want to get Tanzania has the highest wedding market in all of uh, they spend most on weddings in all of East Africa. We want to move into Kenya, into Rwanda. We want to move into the East African community. Congo has joined. Somalia is soon joining South Sudan. We want to be able to move in there and be able to support couples in making their weddings easier. But of course, in the next three to five years, we also want to be for every city in this country. We want you to be able to go and do your wedding smoothly. You have your vendors there. You have people to support you and affordably. We don't want you to break a bank to be able to do a wedding. But also we want to be a place that trains tech entrepreneurs. We have an office in Intinda, but like I mentioned, it's a digital business. So even if you went online and just typed in nyomplanet.com, nyom is N-Y-O-M, and uh, you'll be able to find us and we shall be able to serve you. But if you want to come and visit us physically, we are located in Intinda, Tinder Business Village. Uh, we are on B12, uh, third floor, and we'll be able to serve you and make your, your wedding better. Fantastic. I think you've all gotten what um, Alan Bryan is saying. The address is given you, and I feel like the younger generation, your lives are going to be much lighter in terms of preparing your weddings. And like us, what to look for every venue and prepare everything. Nyom Planet has brought it for you. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much, Alan, for this. And uh, I cannot forget the six tips that any entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, you can pick on to build a great company. You must be visionary. You must build an organizational system. And that's what I've always told people. You need to have networks and harness on them. Build products you are proud of. You have to be robust and flexible and then prepare for marathon. I mean, how best could he have put it? Thank you so much, Alan Bryan, on that. And again, as we wrap up here today, thanks so much for listening to the Social Entrepreneurship in Africa podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on your social media or leave a rating and review. To catch up on the latest from us, you can follow us on our social media platforms on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of them at Capital Solutions. Thanks again and stay tuned for our next exciting episode. would like to thank Alan Brian Sembaji once again for being part of this podcast and I hope you've enjoyed the listening in. Have a good day. <music>